Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and continue with our service. We'll let everybody filter in as they, as they can. Uh, Marley is not here, but you'll see her around here. Marley led worship this morning. Marley is one of our candidates for being a worship leader. She was on the piano this morning. Uh, she also leads often on the bass. And I wanted her to lead on the bass, but piano was most convenient for us this morning. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the Lord does. But that, that is Marley Rosen, and you're welcome to greet her. She's somewhere out there, probably getting coffee this morning. It's good to be back. Uh, my wife and I and our daughter Victoria went down to Alabama over spring break and saw our two oldest daughters, uh, Maddie and Livy. And so we had a good time with family and then also went down to the coast where my brother lives down there in Foley, Alabama. And uh, spent a few days with him and his wife and kids and just had a nice time. Uh, also, my pastor lives there. And so I got to reconnect with him and he bought me breakfast, which is nice to have somebody buy you breakfast now and then. So uh, just a good time of connection and rest and uh, just hearing the Lord. And so when I was down there, I had this unique incident, which it's nothing terribly great, but just kind of a fun thing. Just to remind me of the, the bigness of God. And so I, uh, we went down to the beach, and so if you're going to the beach, you get in, regardless of the temperature. Well, I get in regardless of the temperature, whether it's January or uh, March. It was cold, and uh, I went in slowly because it was so cold, um, and each wave, and it was a, a red flag day on the beach, which means it was high wind, so there was high waves and a, and a pretty strong, well, you're, well, we don't follow all of those rules, Anne. We just do what we want to do sometimes. <laughs> so I didn't go out far, but uh, the waves were coming in, and they are coming in hard, and uh, I had my sunglasses on, my favorite sunglasses, and so when I buy sunglasses, I buy them at places like Menards, you know, just practical because I know I will lose them eventually, so why spend a ton of money on a pair of sunglasses? And so I had these sunglasses, and I've had them for about a year and a half, and they're like my favorite sunglasses. Uh, they're just perfect. Uh, they had readers on the bottom of them, so I could see the speedometer when I was, you know, driving and things. And so that's important for me. <clears throat> and so uh, a wave, a rogue, cold, strong wave hit me and I just happened to turn my head as it hit and it just took my sunglasses off. And I turned and watched my sunglasses slowly sink just far enough away from me that if I worked, I couldn't run. You just can't run in water, you know, at waist deep. And it sunk and they disappeared and I was like, dang. And so this whole time I, I was standing in the ocean and I liked looking out at the ocean and seeing its massness, you know just how big it is, because it always reminds me of, of God. And, and it's, to me, it's just a worshipful time. And I don't mean to be over-spiritual. It just, it's just one of those things, uh, when I get to the ocean, I don't know why it does, but it does. And I was sitting there just thinking about how big God was, and I just lost my sunglasses. And I was like, you know, God, you know what would be really cool? If you, like, somehow caused something that it would bring my sunglasses back and they would, like, hit myself in, in the foot, you know, and I would find them or they'd wash up on shore right there, you know, like a good, good Jonah moment, you know, and just causing that, some fish to grab it and carry it and spit it out on the beach or something. It just would be really cool. And, I, and, and in, between, I was go, in between saying, you know, Lord, you're just so awesome and just worshiping uh, by myself standing there as the waves were coming in. 
going back and forth. And I was being a little goofy, and it's fine. It's fine to be playful with the Lord. I think at times uh, when, when our hearts are pure before him, it's fine. So I was just doing that, and then, uh, then I got a little convicted, and I was like, you know, God, I don't know if I really believe that you would do it, and it's not happening. So I apologize even for asking, you know, just for being goofy and asking for something that really isn't necessary. I can just go back to Menards and buy me another pair, and it's not that big of a deal. Uh, but it would just be really cool if you did something like that, you know. <laughs> and it didn't happen. And so <clears throat> I left, and then we drove home the next day, and uh, there's two routes down Alabama from Tuscaloosa down to Mobile. There is the through the back, back parts of Alabama, and it's just windy road. And we did that on the way down because I really wanted, I like going through the rural parts. And uh, Jill was like, could we take a more straight route next time? Because she's getting, with my driving, she was getting a little, you know, just, it's just too much, too curvy. And I said, fine. So we went the Mississippi route where you cut over and you go straight up these nice roads through Mississippi. And so we did that. And we were heading up that way, which put me on that road that I didn't intend to. I would have done the back route. So we did this nice route. So I'm there. I'm driving up. And Vika says, you know, I really have to go to the bathroom. Is there any way we could stop anytime soon? And, and so I was like, OK. So it's an unexpected stop. And I, I said, well, there's a sign for McDonald's. So we'll head in there. And we turn. And it's one of those terrible exits. As soon as you get off, it says McDonald's two miles and you're like I wish they had put that on the sign on the highway you know because it makes you think it's going to be right there but it's not and it said but there was a Wendy's a mile I said okay I can go a mile so uh, we'll go to the Wendy's Wendy's is great so we drove the mile to the Wendy's and you know used the facility and got out and we're driving back around the Wendy's heading out and Maddie my our next oldest daughter who was in the back seat says hey, look, there's a pair of sunglasses. And it was just laying in the middle of the parking lot, this pair of sunglasses. And when I looked at them, I said, they, you know, my head, it, they just look cheap. They look like really cheap, thin sunglasses. Uh, and I was just going to drive around them, not over them, but drive around them and leave. And Maddie goes, Dad, you need to stop and pick those up. And I was like, okay, I'll stop. Because it was right there. So I just stopped and I opened my... Uh, driver's door and picked them up and I just handed them back to Maddie and they had this cheap feeling just really thin really lightweight thin and I uh, handed them back to Maddie and Maddie's like this is gross <laughs> I need some I need to clean this somebody you know so we went through the whole struggle of cleaning them all and through the process Maddie said oh it's got some weird writing on it and and Vika looked up the writing and she goes oh wait these things are like $500 sunglasses These things are like $540 sunglasses. <laughs> Perfectly, not scratched. Handmade in Germany, imported. I'm, I'm keeping these instead of the Menards. You get my, my point? My point is sometimes we ask God for things and he arranges a way to bless you, but we're still looking for the Menard $19 ones and he wants to give us the $500 Mikita handmade German ones to bless you. He's got ways that he wants to bless you, but sometimes we set our sights low and how just he arranges it. I just thought that would encourage you. God is able to do bigger things than what you imagine. I think that's scriptural, hope or imagine more than you can imagine. So do. Amen.
it's just a fun testimony, a fun thing that the Lord did to remind me of his bigness. The ocean is big and God is big. So a few things I saw on the internet that I thought would bless you this morning. One is this cute little thing that says, overthinking is the art of creating problems that don't exist. (laughs) Some of us need to post this on our refrigerator. Overthinking is the art of creating things that don't exist. Sometimes we can overthink in our relationship with Jesus. Another one was, you know, with gas prices, ouch. It was like, I think the highest we saw it was 417. I didn't stop there. It was 409 was the highest that I paid. And hitting over $50 on your car when you're used to paying in the 20s is just wild. So I saw this. I thought it was a little funny. Um, I've got a used car I'm trying to sell, and I checked Kelly Blue Book today to see its value, and it asked if the tank was full or empty. (laughs) And the last one I saw was, uh, it's two verses, one's in the King James, and the same verse out of the message uh, translation. And the King James is uh, Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee familiar with that one? It's Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. It's one of my favorite verses. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And then it has message version and the translation, this isn't real, but the message is um, never going to give you up, never going to let you down, never going to run around and desert you. I just fit so well. (laughs) Isn't that terrible? (laughs) Woo! Okay, now we can get back to Jesus. Yes, the wind is blowing. Bless the Lord for his good time. I, I want to encourage you as we're getting into the word today, 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to speak from there again. I just want to encourage you, uh, that word that he gave about defying the odds, let that soak on you a little while, write that down, you know, because maybe you're just sitting there today and you're thinking, you know, um, I can't really relate because you're so used to agreeing with the odds that are spoken against you. And so the word that says let Jesus wants to defy the odds just kind of goes over your head because you're so expecting Menard glasses. And he wants to def- totally defy the odds and give you a pair of Mikita blessing in your life, breakthrough in your life, the blessing, the provision, the revelation, the breakthrough in the relationship, the salvation of the person you've been praying for for decades, you know, what uh, the breakthrough in your marriage, whatever it is that you've just kind of settled into the groove of the odds and the Lord is saying, I want to defy the odds. Let him speak to you that this week. Let him meditate on that and let him speak to you of his bigness. Got to think of a better word. Hmm? Of how big he is, yes, thank you. I'm trying to work on my English. First Peter chapter 5, going to be reading beginning with verse 5, but let's pray first. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. We thank you, Lord, just for your goodness. You are so good, and that's what we declare today, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you are big. You are strong. You are faithful. You are uh, wonderful, Lord. Thank you, Father, for it. Lord, we ask you to speak to us today from your word. Father, help me to to get across what you want to uh, get across. Holy Spirit, speak through me today and speak to each heart as you desire. The sermon, uh, to build them up as you desire today. 
to correct uh, thinking as you desire, Lord, to speak about Jesus as you desire today, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are all-powerful and are all-sufficient. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So I began kind of a series uh, two weeks ago called Run to the Roar, and we talked about uh, from that uh, seeing Satan as, as the lion that he is, understanding as Peter says he is in 1 Peter 5, uh, 8, that he's a lion going around seeking whom he may devour, and how to begin to, uh, instead of running away from the roar that the lion makes, Satan, you hear the roar of Jesus and you begin to repeat that roar back at the lion roaring at you, back at Satan roaring at you. And so you get this revelation from Jesus about what he's saying, and then you begin to recognize how to walk that out. You begin to gain wisdom of how that revelation actually applies to your life. Then you begin to have experience as you begin to walk it out and figure out how to walk this out in your life over the long term. And it creates this fight in you so that when uh, anyone else repeats or agrees with or Satan hears that roar, you just have this natural fight against you to stand against that and in love to say, you know, no, this is what the truth is. And you begin to roar out Jesus's roar against the roar of the enemy. Okay, so run to the roar is what we're titling this series, and that's running to the roar, uh, running with the roar of Jesus against the roar of Satan. First Peter chapter five, beginning with verse five. Likewise, you who are younger, and that is both physically and uh, spiritually, be subject to the elders. Show respect to those who have gone before you so that you can glean the wisdom they have in your life and you're not having to just relearn everything they learned over and over again. Don't stunt your own growth by not being respectful to those who have gone before. Okay? <clears throat> clothe yourself, all of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you're going to uh, run toward the roar, it begins with humility. It begins with humility. Seeing yourself as God sees you, seeing God as God is, seeing your brothers as God and sisters as God sees them, this is all healthy humility. And it enables you to recognize when Satan is lying to you and to stand against it. When there isn't humility there, it hinders you from actually hearing and distinguishing the difference between Jesus' roar and Satan's roar. When there isn't humility there, Satan can roar at you and you'll agree with him and hinder what Jesus wants to do. Because Satan has a loud roar do you remember two weeks ago we played the video of the, the male lion outside the kitchen window down in South Africa and he was roaring at the guy and the guy's like, I need to make my coffee but I can't, you know, I'm a little nervous because he's right outside the window. It's a neat video and it's just such a, a deep voice. But that roar can hinder you if you are listening to it. Any place where there is not humility, you will be listening to that roar instead of the roar of Jesus. And Jesus begins to give you the revelation so that you begin to see 
where you're looking wrong, where you're believing wrong, where you're seeing wrong, you begin to see Jesus in the truth that he is, and then it becomes the question of humbling yourself, and then you can get the wisdom to be able to walk it out as you learn to walk in humility, and then when you reach the level of humility, then you have the the fight. Often we just wanna jump right in. Yeah, I got you, Satan, you know? Not today, Satan, you know, things like that. Well, to me, that's a little bit dangerous because if there's any kind of pride in there with that, Satan's just laughing at you because you're, you're going to agree with him at the same time you're cockily saying, not today, Satan. He's just laughing. He roars and you flinch. We want to only react to the roar of Jesus. So he says here, uh, you know, be subject to the elders, clothe yourself with humility. That means it is a process that you put on humility until it becomes a part of you. Not false humility, where you refuse to walk in blessings and you refuse to, to walk in the goodness of the Lord because I'm being humble. That's a a form of pride itself. That's false humility, which is pride. I can't have that, brother. Walking in authenticity before Jesus is walking in the fullness of a relationship that he wants with you freely. You're able to receive his love and give his love. Humility. So he says here, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So when you have that humility, you are going to flow in the grace of Jesus Christ, in the grace of the Father. And the grace is enabling to fulfill God's will. It's supernatural power that enables you to walk in the fullness of God's power. Moses learned grace by walking through 40 years in the desert of learning to be a shepherd. Moses learned grace by walking through all the trials as he tried to lead the children of Israel out and the government stood against him. Moses learned to flow in the grace being up against the obstacle of the Red Sea on one side and the Egyptian army on his hind side. Flowing in the grace is being able to hear the roar of Jesus, ignore the roar of Satan, and speak what God wants to speak in that situation. So you clothe yourself with humility, and then you clothe yourself. God gives you the grace to to go into and be clothed in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Humble yourself, therefore, verse 6. If there's a therefore, uh, look what it's there for. An old pastor said that one time to me. If you see a therefore, look what it's there for. Okay? So humble yourself, therefore so that you can experience the grace under the mighty hand of God so that in the proper time he may exalt you. What that means is don't get ahead of God in this. Grow at the speed you can. 
allow time to pass. It's not a quick, always a instantaneous microwave drive-through. I can't believe I've been in this drive-through for 20 minutes. It's not always a quick thing. Sometimes it is a year's process to see the victory of the Lord. It takes humility to hold on to walk into the fullness of that grace. But there's greater victory as you have walked through the trial to get to the victory. The, great, the victory is worth more to you. Casting all your anxieties on him, verse 7, because he cares for you. What a mighty verse that is for us that really just gets it down to the, as they used to say, the rubber on the road. Uh, just write down to what, what's real, where you can tell uh, where you're involved and where you're, you're resting in humility. Is, is there anxiety there about it? Are you struggling to trust? Do you believe that God loves you and that God can take care of this situation? And then this anxiety really gets up and shows you, you know, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, Lord. It's not like the Lord's mad at you because you're anxious. He just encourages you, hey, I got this. Trust me. I do care about you. You are important to me. What you're worried about, I am already taken care of. If you'll trust me. So he says, humble yourself and so you can walk into this. Cast all your anxieties. Casting means to throw out, means to throw upon. You know, so it's, it's kind of an action. So it's perfectly fine to say, you know, God, I am pretty worried about this. I am concerned about this. I'm struggling in this area. I am letting you know because I know you already know. I want to I give it to you, Lord. But with the expectation that it is leaving me as I'm saying it, I'm receiving from you your love and your care. Casting is not, hey, you, you realize this is right here, I'm holding on to this. Casting is, you get that, right? Okay, great. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So the Lord wants to, us to run toward the roar to recognize what he says about us and about our family and about our situations. But understand, number one today, understand as you're running toward the war, number one, there's always a season of preparation. There's always a season of preparation. There's always a season to grow into what he tells you. Rarely does he say, you're going to have X and then the next day or the next moment you walk into X. Most generally it is he tells you and it heads you in a direction where you learn faithfulness on your own and you learn that he is faithful. Because there's two types of faithfulness, guys. There's our faithfulness that I'm going to be faithful to believe, I'm going to trust, I'm going to remain faithful and obedient. And that, if it's all about that, then it gets us into self-righteousness. So sometimes the timing is wonky on our opinion because we're like, you know, I've been faithful, Lord. You should just move the answer. Well, the Lord sometimes delays or he puts it in a different timeline to remind us and to show us that he is faithful long term. 
You can't experience the long-term faithfulness of Jesus unless you walk with him long-term through everything. When I was young, I had this idea in my head, because I'm a passionate person, and my passion has to be tempered, meeked, uh, but my passion was, it would be really cool to be martyred for the Lord. And as an early 20-year-old, my desire, that was the ultimate, to be martyred. And I read books about martyr. My wife hated it because, you know, it was wrong thinking. In my passion, I wanted to be faithful now to the Lord, ultimately. I did not understand that it is far harder to be faithful to the Lord over 50 years. It is a greater martyrdom to serve the Lord your entire life all the way up to your 110 and you breathe your last. Because martyr, the word means witness in the Greek. And it's actually the word in Acts 1-5 one, where it says, and you will be my witnesses, that word's martyr, martus. You will be my martyrs, living witnesses, Romans 12, 1, sacrifice, a living sacrifice, long term, it takes humility and determination, not only trusting in your own faithfulness, but trusting in the faithfulness in the Lord when it is years that I am holding on and waiting. It's contrary to the, necessarily the prosperity gospel that says uh, believe and have now, which I believe in prosperity. I believe the Lord wants to prosper you in every situation. Sometimes that prosperity comes through pain. Sometimes the prosperity comes through over a time of, of you needing to see that he's faithful. Sometimes it comes through repentance on our part. Sometimes it comes through obedience. It's not always just, whoo, I'm driving a caddy. My dad always drove caddies. So there's always a season of preparation when you're running to the roar. And you're destined in Christ to overcome the roar of Satan in your life. And Satan roars in your life different than he roars in my life. In the same way, Jesus has equipped me differently than maybe he has equipped you. We're all part of the body, but we have different giftings. Know that Jesus prepares you. See, giftedness or grace for your specific roar comes from Jesus, and it's available. It's available specifically for whatever Satan is roaring at you, Jesus has the giftedness or the grace to overcome. It isn't like, well, actually we ran out of that, but hey, we've got the ability to I don't know, be happy in the midst of the storm. Well, praise God for that. But he's got the giftedness or grace that you need right now because he enjoys watching you walk into victory. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where Paul said, hey, Lord, could you take this from me? Lord, can you take this from me? Lord, can you take this from me? And at the third time, God answered him and said, hey, Paul, 
My grace is sufficient, for it's made perfect in weakness. Basically, you've already overcome. My grace has already equipped you. You're just coming to the end of your own fight. And when you surrender to my grace, you'll see that the roar that I have is louder than the roar of the enemy against you. And bam, things change. And also uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, for God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all times, having all that you need in every situation, you will get through mostly. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the wrong version, isn't it? It's you will abound. You'll be victorious. You'll prosper. You'll overcome. Is there a little asterisk in anyone's Bible that you go down and it follows and says, this only happens about 50% of the time? It says every. So this is God's intention, to prepare you to be able to run to the roar and declare who he is to Satan's counter message. Understand that during this season of preparation, you're going to be meeked. And by meeked, I mean you're going to learn to hear the voice of the Lord and react to no other voices and not react to what's around you and be able to be led by him. This is a process he does over time. So there's this famous baseball player, George Shotgun Shuba. Seven-season player with the Brooklyn Dodgers. He was in the 1955 World Championship uh, team. So he's a really good player. The guy had this swing that was just beautiful. In fact, this uh, well-known writer, Roger Kahn, said, sports writer, said his swing was as natural as a smile. Just beautiful. And at that, Shuba laughed. He said, natural as a smile, as if it just giftedness, it just happened. Shuba said, what Roger doesn't know is that for 15 years of my career, every offseason I swung the bat 60 times times 10. Every day. So every night of the offseason, he swang, swang, swung his 44 ounce bat 600 times. 600 times a night, 4,200 times a week, 47,200 times every winter. And then, of course, during the season, it looks like this perfect smile. Aaron Rodgers, another baseball player, I've just got baseball examples today. He said, games are won first in the weight room, the film room, and the locker room. That's where games are won. First. In the same way, during the season of preparation, your weight room is your prayer room. Your film room is the word. Your locker room is the community that you're in. And as you are in the word, as you are developing your relationship with Jesus through the word, through prayer, and through walking out relationship here with your fellow body, brothers and sisters in Christ, you will see Jesus, and when you get up to bat, proverbially, is it'll be a home run. 
It takes time to do this. Number two, it's a lifetime series of battles against roars. It's not a one-up. It's a lifetime. Sometimes we get discouraged because we have one battle in mind and that's the only thing we see instead of the lifetime of overcoming. The lifetime process of walking with God. See, grace without faith, without works, is dead. Grace without faith, without works, is dead. Grace is God's part. He gives grace, and our part of that is not to resist it. It says don't receive the grace in vain. He can give you ability. He can give you giftedness. He can give you revelation. We can either receive that or we can go. And so God's part is to give you and he pours that out. Jeremiah 29, 11, famous Instagram verse. I know the plans I have for you. See, he can tell you these plans. He can speak hope to your heart, but you have to receive what the Lord is saying. That's the grace. I receive God's, your interaction with me. The second part is faith where we believe. He's the one that builds our faith, but we obey. He pours upon us and opens our eyes so that our faith can be built up, but we have to agree with that and allow it to be built. Do you see how it's both, both, both of us have a part? And then works come out of that. Because of the grace given us and the faith we see, we begin to walk it out with fear and trembling. We move. He directs and supplies us, and we understand that we're vessels. I want to pour out. I want to do things. He directs and supplies because of the grace given me and the faith that I have to move forward. It's a lifetime series of battles against the roar as we walk this out. Now, humility allows us to receive the grace, allows us to obey in faith, and allows us to receive the direction and the supplies and to walk it out. That's what humility does. Pride stands against those things. So ways to see whether or not that pride is hindering you. Pride will go against God's part and will say, hey God, I got this. I don't need your help. I can do this on my own. This is my problem. I created it. I don't need you. I got this. I can do this. That's a pride statement that hinders God's grace. A pride statement that hinders faith is, uh, I know what to do. I don't need any new direction. Religious formulas, I would probably, if I were to put it into a caveat, it would be like religious formulas. If I stand on my right foot and lay hands just on their right shoulder and speak in tongues for three minutes, they'll get healed. Because that's what happened the last time. 
and we all quickly get into formulas. And our formulas can be like that, or our formulas can be simply, uh, you know, um, I'm going to take whatever job's open for me, because um, the first job that's offered me is the one that God has for me. And just the way we look at life, I'm going to handle my spouse in this way, because that's the proper religious thing to do. But there's no life in it. There's no faith in it. There's, there's no guiding of the Lord in it, because I know what to do, so I no longer need to listen. And the last one within the works, pride shows itself as entitlement. Because works involves us doing something, you know. And so uh, it comes out as in two ways. I have to do this because that's the only way it'll ever get done is if I do it. Or I'm just going to sit back here and just trust in the Lord and the Lord will do it. It's like the two extremes, but it's levels of pride. I have to do it. Because if I do, Lord, you have to move. I'm entitled to your movement because as I'm doing it, you have to do it. And that's a presumptive pride. And the other side is the, well, yeah, I, I prayed about it. There's nothing I need to do. I just need to trust the Lord and the Lord will change make the situation. I don't know why I threw a southern accent on there. <laughs> I have no idea. But just total entitlement on that. And the Lord saying, you know, I, I really, to get the job, I need you to make that phone call. Well, Lord, I'm just going to wait back and wait for them to call me. Lord, you'll open the door and then I'll know because you open the door. You know? Just trying to be practical with you today. So along with this, the fact that it's a lifetime, think of Jeremiah, the prophet. Jeremiah in his book, and he's written, he wrote several books, but the book of Jeremiah, you know, has what, 20, I thought it was like 30, 35, 36, 38, 40, I feel like I'm an auctioneer, Ryan. Can I have 50? Yeah, I got 50. 50, 50, 50. Boy, we're getting longer and longer. Should have probably should look this up before I thought of this. 52. 52 chapters. 52 chapters over a 40-year span. 52 chapters over a 40-year span. Faithful under four different kings. So sometimes when we read these books, we're like, wow, it must have been like bam, 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 bam. Jeremiah must have just been blowing and going, words of God coming out of him left and right every single day. He probably floated, you know, and not thinking of he had a word and then a year and a half passed before he had a word of significance that needed to be written down. Now he might have told somebody, you know, hey, the Lord says this about this or done that, but a significant word, a giant word, but it was the lifetime of faithfulness that we know Jeremiah for. When he was in prison either time, first prison imprisonment or second imprisonment, his faithfulness through that season, Paul's two years in prison uh, inside of, of outside of Israel, right, right close to Israel, before he went to Rome, 
we glance over that, that chapter, because uh, it's one chapter in the book of Acts, two years of day-to-day trusting the Lord and walking it out in faith. God wants us to have victory and we'll walk in victory and we will defeat the roar of the lion with the roar of Jesus. But sometimes it takes a while and we just need to walk it out. It's a season, but we keep moving forward in that direction. It's not like you sit back and I'm entitled, I'm gonna, I guess the, I'll just have victory, I'll just sit here and wait till it falls in my lap. Well, what will probably happen is you'll wake up and you'll be before, be before St. Peter and you'll go, whoa, dude, you had so much more fun you could have had. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought Jesus, yeah, well, let me show you the 3,579 times that Jesus sent deliverance before you that you said, well, I won't do that. Come on now. So victory is very practical. That'd be my third point. Because you've got to have three points if you're going to do a sermon. (laughs) God only speaks in threes. Joking, of course. Victory is very practical. It's authentic and it's humble. The victory that he has for you. It was very authentic and humble for David to pick up those five stones and say, hey, I don't come against you with a sword and all of this equipment and this cool armor. I come against you just in the name of the Lord who said, you're wrong. It's very humble, very authentic, picks up the stone. God, I'm I'm giving you all I got. And the spirit took that stone and Goliath was dead. It's very practical. So all of us at some point are preparing for a battle as the Lord prepares us, in the middle of a battle as the Lord is with us, or walking in victory that the Lord has given us. All of us. And you're probably in all three at this moment. You're probably walking in some victory that the Lord's already given you. You're being prepared for the next battle that's coming, and you're in the middle of some battle at the moment. And I can assure you, that's normal. I just can't take it anymore, Lord. Well, good. Maybe it's time that you let go and let me. Maybe it's time that you stop focusing on all your battles and all your giants and got your eyes on me. Don't mean to be harsh this morning. But sometimes we do that. The battle seems very large because that's what we're looking at. Well, I'm just not righteous enough. I'm just not good enough. I just don't read my Bible enough. I just don't pray enough. And I just don't this and I just don't that. Well, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And if your eyes are on you and you're failing, they're not on Jesus and his goodness. So authentically and humbly you say, Jesus, I'm a failure, but you know what, Jesus? I trust in you. You are the author and the perfecter or the maturer of my faith. You are faithful when I'm not faithful. So Lord, I give my lack of faithfulness to you and I say, Jesus, make me faithful. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me and I will declare your goodness, Lord, and who you are to myself to remind myself to trust in you.
I'm sure you remember this song. <laughs> it was in Frozen, the first Frozen, Let It Go. If I were to start singing it, which I won't, most of you probably know the words because it went so crazy popular. I think it sold 10 million copies in the first year of 2014. I'm just astronomical. And so the couple that wrote it, Robert and Kristen Lopez, they were asked, of course, you know, when somebody writes something like that, they ask them, hey, how did you do it? How do, we, how do you make a, how do you write a, a classic like that that just grabs? And uh, they just humbly said, well, first we got a babysitter. <laughs> so as we're following Jesus, the first thing is just a real practical step. It isn't you sit down and write it out. It is something very practical. Get yourself in the position to move forward. So my question for you to think about as you go out today is what is a practical prep step that you can take to run toward the roar? What is a practical preparation step that you can take to run toward the roar of Satan? What's that first step? I'll give you some examples in closing. Maybe it's a book you need to read. Maybe it's a podcast you need to listen to where you find someone who's struggled and overcome in your area and you hear how, let them talk about Jesus. Maybe it's a mentor that you sit down with and you say, okay, I need to be honest. I'm, this, is, this is the roar. The enemy yells at me and I need wisdom. Maybe it's researching. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's fasting. Maybe it's a, simply a schedule change. I need to factor in weightlifting to stay young and healthy. I need to dye my hair. No, I don't. I don't need to dye my hair. Just some practical step to move you forward in what Jesus has for you. Jesus wants to defy the odds, guys. He has all of these wonderful things for you. And he's saying, trust me. Listen to me, hear me, and let's move forward. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the works that you begin, Father, you're faithful to complete. And Father, you said that in uh, uh, Ephesians 2, that not only are we saved by your grace, Lord, through faith, but that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that you created in advance or prepared in advance for us to do. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, I thank you for saving them by your grace through faith, Lord. I pray, Father, they would trust you and see you more. And, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would work out your works in each one of them, bringing them into greater levels of victory. And every lie that Satan has, that every lie that Satan throws against them, Lord, that you would give them the counter and the real truth that they can see it and declare it, Father. Give them a practical step to move them forward and to break them out of any kind of hole or pit they're in, Father. I thank you, Lord, for it. I bless them to be able to hear and to come into victory. Every giant will fall. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your uh, weekend. And we'll see you next week.